Hello and welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. Today we are talking about the ethics of thirst in fandom with special guest Ashley Coffin. All that and more after commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back, folks. I'm your host, Matthew. I'm joined by regular co-host uh, on this show, as well as a number of others I do, Star Wars and uh, so many other things on the Stranded Panda universe, Ashley Coffin. Ashley's become named, what, what's your current title? The Fairy Godmother of Thirst? Yes, I am the Fairy Godmother of Thirst. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I think um, if for those, if you listen to the MCU podcast or if you listen to, if you pay attention to the Stranded Panda Facebook group, or not just in those places, but in other places as well, the topic of thirst and fandom is one that's been coming up a lot, especially in terms of, you know, the appreciation of male bodies, especially. Uh, the MCU has been heavily leaning into this in good ways, <laughs> bringing up all kinds of questions in all sorts of different directions that have been really interesting to people. And Ashley, I know you've had so many thoughts about this that I'm really excited to hear you. I am to have you on and get talking about it. Always just so thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are, our hydration will be strong as well as our conversation. <laughs> and I want to say as a, as a quick note to people... First of all, um, we often get into topics that are fairly, fairly um, adult and nuanced, and I, I hope people can enjoy this podcast of all age. Yeah, let me say that. Let me start again. And I want to start by just saying a quick note. You know, we don't keep our language clean on this podcast. I think for the most part, like this is not what we would call a family-friendly podcast, but you know, as a teenager, I was certainly listening to a lot of things with explicit language, and <laughs> I have no objection to that, but some people's parents might, and that's fine. I want to say, though, for this one, again, I, I'm not going to tell anybody not to listen, but I want to for for any parents or the like, or just if, if these are topics you're sensitive about, today we're going to be talking, quite frankly, about sexuality and attractiveness and the ways in which people express their interest and express their uh, horniness, their thirst. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a topic that obviously has a lot of sensitivity to it. It is a topic that is obviously controversial in a lot of places, and I think Ashley and I have a pretty... You know, we're not going to see eye to eye and everything, but both of us are coming to it from a, uh, a fairly specific place. And I want to just kind of invite people that if this is a topic you're comfortable engaging with and listening to, please feel free to do so. If this is a topic that is not necessarily your cup of tea, then we're going to have another episode out next week. And, you know, please listen to that one. And if it's one where, um, you know, Ashley and I are going to be very careful, I think, to try and talk about this in as nuanced and... Um, you know, really aware of the many complications of these topics as we can be, but it's also one that we're going to, you know, have some fun with. And mm-hmm. uh, I hope that we're not going to, you know, say things that cross any lines for people. But if we do, please let us know. Uh, I, as a podcast host, I'm always growing. I'm always learning. Uh, there's always ways that in which I think that there are things that um, I can be better at. And actually, I'm sure you feel the same. Mm-hmm. So just kind of want to say to our folks there, um, you know, whenever you got thoughts or stuff like that, please always feel free to share it and have all the contact info for that at the end. So, <laughs> With all those kind of things out of the way, um, Ashley, let me just kind of hear from you just at the very start. Like, what? How are you kind of feeling about this topic and, and the idea of us getting into it? It's definitely become a fun part of our community. Um, I've liked watching other people kind of grow out of their shell and get more involved mm-hmm. with it. It's creating a discussion and letting people, you know, talk about the things that they fantasize about. And let's be serious, we all fantasize all day about everything uh, you do you're at work you're like god uh, i mean i know i probably do it more than other people because i'm like oh i just wish i was black widow you know doing this or that you know but it is a part of it and it's healthy and it's natural and they put these beautiful gods on display for us 
for a reason. Mm-hmm. There's like there's a reason why stars and Hollywood and all these people just they're all so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that for sure. I think I definitely think you're right that fantasy is a very important part of a lot of people's lives. You know, I think for folks who are on the A spectrum, it may be a much smaller or, or not a part at all or for, for other reasons like that. But certainly for, for most of us, fantasy is a big part of things. And I think you're right. I think that, that obviously Hollywood is, you know, has always been about like putting beautiful people on screen. And to me, kind of the importance of this moment that we're talking about it is that, you know, for such a long time, that has been done in a very specific gendered way of getting to enjoy the female body presented for the male gaze and through the male gaze and things like that. And, and as you've kind of been talking about that, you know, more recently, there's been much more of a like, hey, let's appreciate masculine bodies as well. And and also create a culture where we all can do that, but especially like giving women the space and, and feminine identified people and people, uh, uh, queer folks like myself, more space to appreciate masculine bodies and masculine attractiveness and things like that. And, and so let me just kind of start with a very basic basic question here. When we say thirst, I mean, I think on the, on the internet, that's kind of a, it just become, <laughs> it means horniness, it means being turned on. But in this kind of a contest, contest, uh, yeah, contest, in this kind of a context of like fandom thirst, what, what does thirst mean to you? When I think of something that makes me thirsty, it's like seeing uh, – who who can I pull out of my bank? Um, Chris Hemsworth in mm-hmm. Age of Ultron, when he gets into that little pool and is just dripping wet, it makes my mouth dry. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's something that makes you clutch your pearls. Like, oh, my <laughs> goodness. Like, mm-hmm. that took my breath – like, this specimen is so gorgeous. He took my breath away or she took my breath away. Right. And or they took your breath away. Mm-hmm. And, and for you, you have become more and more vocal on our podcasts about that. What has that been like for you in terms of like being able to claim that space of being very, you know, very frank about um, your attractiveness to these, your, your attraction to characters and, and the things that makes you feel and want to do? It, it's it's very interesting because you get so much positive feedback from men and women and like everybody both sides all sides of the party um and then you'll get your people who are more uh, conservative is that the right word i I think that's uh that's one possible word for it yeah or it makes them uncomfortable for whatever personal reasons they have and when those people you know message me or us at the podcast like Of course, like I read that and I really do take it in. And, and, you know, it does make me feel bad and I understand their situation. But the others, like the positivity that comes from it is overwhelming. And it's just, it's fun and it's funny. And, you know, you're going through your day. You've had a hard day at work. You, we have like thirst round offs where everybody will just, you know, post a picture and it'll keep going. And that three minutes of your maybe shitty work day. You get to sit right. there and laugh, camaraderie, and find an amazing gift of a body that you just like to look at and escape. And I feel like a really important part of this here is that what you're talking about is a group of uh, what started as a group of women. Uh, you haven't kind. Uh, I am a. I think most people in the podcast know this, but for those who don't, uh, I'm myself non-binary and queer, uh, and I've been allowed into the the holy sanctum, which I've appreciated. <laughs> this isn't about a bunch of guys like talking about how much they love the body of a of a woman. This is primarily about women enjoying masculine bodies. Mm-hmm. What's the importance of that for you? Like, what you and especially in terms of that positive feedback you're getting. Talk talk about some of like where that's coming from. The importance of the group that we have 
uh, with the other girls is that is an even more safe space mm-hmm. um, because <laughs> we get down and dirty. But it's also something that hasn't – men have – how did it make this not – okay. Men have generally been able to do this more. If you look at all the movies of the 90s, 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. action movies, dramas, you see – boobs like a lot of boobs it's always about that and it's not even used to move the plot along it's for that shock value like oh this movie might suck but at least you get to see some boobs and we're not even seeing the parts of you know it's just like these guys are doing the lord's work and (laughs) working out and you know giving us like it's hard but it's nice that we're finally making a space where women feel safe and empowered enough to talk about their sexuality, not specifically, but almost indirectly. Right. Through, you know, our conversations and everybody, it, it's just a great time and it, and it's meaningful. I, I think that's such an important point. To me, that's one of the first things I really wanted to focus on because I think sometimes we can have this attitude, uh, and I think we've seen it some post up in this and other conversations of, Oh, okay. Well, if you can all talk about like Chris Hemsworth like that, does that mean it's okay for us to go back talking about ScarJo's butt or something like that? Mm -hmm. And I think the context and the power dynamics that we're talking about here are such an important part of these conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, Catherine Ray, who's a a panda of great repute and been on a a number of these conversations, uh, she wrote in some comments that I wanted to read uh, because I think they're so uh, pertinent to what we're talking about right now. Uh, I'll, I'll mention some other things she wrote in as well later, but she wrote... Before we have any conversation about thirsting and the ethics of thirst, we have to be on the same page about the society in which we live. It's sexist and racist and ableist and transphobic and heteronormative and, and, and. If we're not in agreement about those facts, we can't really move forward. The overall societal power differences between men and women, between straight and gay folks, is extremely real and must be considered. Because there's a fundamental difference between a woman or a queer person being confident and empowered by her sexuality and desires rather than shamed or devalued for them. She hits the nail on the head. Yeah. And and I do feel like from – I don't want this to sound pretentious, but the way that we have talked about some of the men and women, the men who also post their thirst post, which mm-hmm. is awesome, have done it in a way that is kind of mirroring what we're like. We have this – it's like church thirst. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's definitely a kind of like keeping the conversations much more innuendo than direct statements. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's interesting, as you pointed out, that, that there were some who were bothered by it. And, and I don't want to make this just about the panda discussion. I think that, that I've seen this happen in other parts of fandom. Mm-hmm. And, and as far as I can tell, that kind of delves into two different directions. And and I kind of want to be very clear about how I'm kind of being very respectful towards one and, and maybe not so much towards another. Yeah. The first one being, I think there are people who just don't want that level of conversation about sexuality in some of the media they consume. And I think that that is completely reasonable. And I think that they're, I I really like the attitude that you all have taken of, you know, the the podcast that you're a part of and and some of the other ones you support are going to go more in that direction. But hey, there's a lot of MCU podcasts out there. There's a lot of DC podcasts out there. If people want to find ones that are not delving into the thirst, that's very okay. Mm Mm-hmm. The second direction, though, and I think you've mentioned this, and it's one that I want to kind of dive into further, is the one that I think is much more troubling where it is the, I mean, part of it is the kind of like, well, but does that mean we can get, go back to like saying shitty things about women's bodies? 
but but and I would get to that. But I think the the place to start is those who are. Sometimes they'll say this directly. Sometimes it's subtle. But it becomes very clear that they're just bothered by the idea that women can be this lustful. You know, mm-hmm. in terms of like it not being. And I'm I'm speaking in fairly gender essentialist terms because that's the terms of this debate. And I think we're we're clearly trying to broaden out somewhat. But I I I love what you were kind of saying there about the importance of it being women being able to say this, and what Catherine was saying as well of. You know, I, I'll tell a story for my own own sake. I mean, I think I I came up in a pretty woke kind of background. My mother was very much a feminist, um, and yet the first time I was hanging out with a bunch of uh, uh, teenagers, uh, more more primarily girls, and they were talking about, I forget who it was. I think it was Jordan Catalano, uh, the star <laughs> of My So Called Life, mm-hmm. who always bothered me because he was very attractive to the people I knew, and I could never brood. I giggle too much. Um, but putting that aside. And, <laughs> The, the way they were discussing him, you know, in terms like his body or their, the, his face and, um, and the things they would like to do with him, mm-hmm. it shocked me. Because I, even I had come up in that mind of like, no, 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 guys are into like sexuality and women want like love and romance and stuff like that. Exactly. And, and that kind of like very gendered nonsense. So mm-hmm. I'd love to hear you say more about like for you, what is it, the kind of positive feedback, what is it you're seeing in terms of the, the doors this has opened up and, and why it matters? It's kind of overwhelming to get mm-hmm. the emails where people are, you know, thanking me for speaking up, especially after we brought up on the cast, you know, we we don't shy away from the negative feedback on the MCU yep. cast. Like if somebody sends something in, we bring it up and we discuss it. Um, and that negative feedback opens the doors for other people to feel like, oh, well, I also didn't like I also didn't like that. So I'm going to go let them know as well, which is totally fine. And then you'll get a string of those in a row. But then when you bring that up, the amount of people who like reached out to me personally through my Instagram, through my Facebook to be like, you know, please don't stop what you're doing. You know, gay men, you know, women, even straight men, like it was, it was awesome. Um, Mm -hmm. And it just felt so supported for something that it's a shame that we even have to 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 do this about because it's so natural for men, right? Yeah, I, I think that's that. I think that's such a big part of it, especially with you know uh, something that, as as Catherine said, that I think is such an important part of the context is none of these things we're talking about are happening in a you know gen, like equal power base of gender conversation here. And I think mm-hmm. this is such an important thing because. You know, and I, I think different people can have different opinions on this. And as you said, there started to be some comments in our group and other places of, you know, masculine identified folks, you know, being appreciative of female bodies. But in in you can clearly tell that they're being very careful about their words and very careful about the ways they're phrasing it. That it's mm-hmm. very much in the appreciation instead of claiming or instead of like what I would do. <laughs> right. And there's a comment I, I know that you and I were you and I were talking about this earlier that I'd love to hear you get into more of you know, the, the power the power imbalance of, you know, men talking about women's bodies can have a level of threat involved that isn't necessarily there with the kind of thirst you're talking about. So right. say more about that and how that kind of difference plays out for you. One feedback, um, one email that I got that stood out to me a little bit more than the others was um, a gentleman wrote in and he had a problem with the thirsting, but it was because it reminded him of how he treated women in his past. Right. And at that point, I felt, 
you know, I had let one of the other hosts kind of respond back to these other things to have the male perspective with my thoughts in it. But this one, I really felt like I need to respond to this um, because that is not my fault. What someone needs to look at with that kind of assessment of the situation is inner. It's not me. You're putting your past on me and being like, you're making me feel uncomfortable because of the things I used to do. And I will not have someone put that crown upon my head. So I really like that you brought up this specific example because, and again, like for those of us who know it, we're talking about the panda community, things like this happen in fandom all the time. I've spoken to a number of other uh, women creators or, or queer creators. They talk about hearing similar things. I think there's a situation that can happen sometimes when people in power, uh, you see this with white folks talking about racial issues, with, you know, straight folks talking about those things, but especially here, men talking about you know, who gets to appreciate whose body is in what language. There's sometimes this feeling of like, well, wait, you can do it. So why can't I? And, and so the, the first thing I think is that there's a whole thing of, you know, in that, that was a case of someone who was basically admitting like, I can't do this responsibly. I don't know how to find the lines of appropriateness. And so not only do I feel like I have to pull back entirely, but that means that everyone else around me should pull back entirely. And that, that to me is just all kinds of unhealthy projection, you know, because then that's the idea of uh, I get to tell other people what they should think and and, and feel because I can't control myself. Mm-hmm. But the other part there, and, and this I really want to hear you go more into, is for me, this is getting into the same kind of like equating of these things, you know, that like I used to say sexually harassing things to I think you were talking about like women who worked or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so you talking about your feelings towards a celebrity that to me is the same thing. And I feel like there's like three different levels to unpack there in terms of gender versus in terms of the power dynamics and in terms of the celebrity versus people you know directly. So let's kind of break it down a little bit. Let's just start with gender there. What what for you is it of like, what do you make it different that it's women or queer people or, you know, folks who are not necessarily like masculine identified talking about masculine bodies? There's always the, you know, when I see... Scarlett Johansson or Natalie Portman, like sometimes part of me, I'm like, damn, I, it's impact, like it's positive. I'm like, I want to get in shape. Like I, you know, it, it can be, even when I see like Chris Evans, I'm like, damn, like maybe I could do that. And it would like push me to want to do better with myself, you know, mm-hmm. instead of just stuffing my face with chips and watching all of these rock hard bodies on TV. <laughs> I, I, I would push back on the idea of that there's anything better about one kind, but I would say like, yeah, if that's, it, it certainly can be a goal, but I, I want to be very clear about like all kind of bodies can be better or worse or anything like that. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, go on. it's just like, per, like when I personally, like things that I see that make it pleasing. So clearly there's that difference, but then also there's this whole idea of the gender involved, you know? And I think, when I hear comments like that person who wrote in or from a lot of others about like, well, if you can do it, we can too. For me, I feel like there's, there's kind of a number of levels that they're not understanding. And one of them is the difference between like of, of gender and how the gender power dynamics play out in terms of like who is saying what about whom and the level of threat or, or, you know, appreciation that's involved there. A second is in terms of like power dynamics. And, and, and then third connected to that is the difference of like, the way you talk to people in your life, especially in your place of work, versus the way mm-hmm. fans talk to each other about celebrities. And I let's kind of break those down and go one by one. So first of all, in terms of gender, how do you see it in terms of like women or queer folks or non-masculine folks 
appreciating male bodies be, being fundamentally differently, fundamentally different than the normal discourse of men talking about women's bodies. There's always been a power dynamic between um, men and women and physicality of it. Um, mm -hmm. Say you are walking to your car at night in an empty parking lot and you're alone. Um, for most men, you just walk to your car. But for like me, I'll stop. I'll look. I'll see what's around. I'll look at the lights. I'll make sure my keys are in my hand in case something happens. And there's there's a different – it's like a fear dynamic. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like what we were talking about with catcalling. You know, if you are a female alone walking down the street and one to three or more guys start catcalling you, it's it's fear. Right. Whereas if you're a male walking down the road and say a bachelorette party of 11 starts screaming at you, it's funny or annoyance or uncomfortable. And those are very different feelings. Yeah. And I think that's such a good way of putting it. And I'll, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm non-binary, but I was socialized as male for most of my life. I'm certainly very masculine presenting. Um, I'm not Chris Hemsworth. I don't get catcalled very often, but <laughs> I've had the kind of bachelorette party experience a couple of times. And you know, sometimes it's been like, oh, hey, cool. I'm glad people like the way I'm dressed. Mm -hmm. Other times it was, you know, with a lot of alcohol and um, didn't feel great. And I kind of wanted it to end. I never had a moment of physical fear for my safety. I never had a moment of thinking someone was going to touch me in a way that I don't want to be touched. And to me, I think that is such, you know, that does, and again, we're not talking about this in binary terms. It doesn't mean that like making Crips Hemsworth uncomfortable by tweeting really explicit things is okay. Exactly. But it's about that difference of like Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans probably didn't grow up with the same kind of fears that Natalie Portman or, Scar or Scarlett Johanna may have. Johansson. Names. I'm terrible with names. It's the Everyone best. I love name. it yeah. so much. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're and it's, it's true. And then so, being able to take that, like take that sexuality and be confident in yourself and enjoy what's being presented to you very specifically and purposefully. There's no trick behind what's happening on the screen. They look like that for a reason and it is for us. And they're right. like, poor Chris Evans, the re, like part of the reason he is not Captain America anymore is because he doesn't want to do that. The work, the that you have to put into it, eating whole chickens a day, the the things you have to do to bulk up like that. Right. It's hard, but it's for a reason. Yeah, it's hard and it can be distinctly unhealthy. I mean, there, there's mm -hmm. definitely some people of all genders. And Tom Hardy have, went through it. <laughs> yeah, Tom Hardy went through it. Um, I think this is less the case now, but certainly in the 80s when the Arnold Schwarzenegger, like today our figures are like ripped and like very muscular. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the, the male action heroes of the 80s and 90s who took their shirts off a lot were more the Schwarzenegger, like super bulked up. Yep. A lot of those actors were taking steroids. Steroids. They were feeling like pressured that they had to and things like that. Um, and, and so I think, again, it's very important to name like the 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 dangers of that kind of thing uh, and, and, and the importance of that. But again, like also there, you know, and again, it's so it, it's such a complex thing to talk about because I don't want to. I'm never trying to minimize that, right? But it's the sort of like Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans. There are sexy people besides Chris. I'm just those are the ones that come to mind. And they're all the just time. right at the tippity top. <laughs> not mentioning Pratt, uh, but <laughs> you know, those men are in now situations where because of the the work that they're trying to do and the way that the, that the Hollywood pressures, they're being pushed into 
being pushed or maybe they're choosing whatever it is, but there's certainly a lot of pressure to do unhealthy things. Right. But they also didn't grow up in a culture of eating disorders and body pressure because of just being their gender in the way that I think, again, someone like a lot of the, the female actors may well have. Right. Like, and the women, what the women have to go through. I remember um, when Margot Robbie uh, had just done, I think, Suicide Squad. And then there were pictures of her and the, the news was just tearing her apart. Like, look how fat she looks. Let herself go, this and that. But little did they know as she was training, or tra- I, I call it training, to be Tanya Harding. So she was purposely putting on weight. It's kind of the same thing that they did to Chad, you know, Chadwick Boseman when people saw that he was getting skinny. Like you, you just look at these pictures that the paparazzi and the news media put out and you make your own narrative based off what they're saying. And it's cruel. Right. And and in Chadwick's case, uh, there have been times where his body weight shifted because of roles. And then, of course, also because of his his illness towards the end of his career and the end of his life. Um, But, yeah, I think I think the point's very well taken there. Mm -hmm. and I think kind of what we're getting at here is that that's, to me, that element of fear is a big part of it. And to me, that also goes into a lot of the kind of language that's being used. Because one thing I've noticed is that in the kind of thirst comments I hear in Stranded Panda, but also in a lot of the other places where, because again, these conversations are happening in all sorts of media, it's a lot about appreciation. It's a lot about the kind of things that, you know, oh, I'd love it if he did this to me. I'd love to, you know, climb him like a tree, whatever uh-huh. it might be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to me, Sorry, I was though, thinking this... about Michael Fassbender. <laughs> Very understandable. My God. <laughs> totally with you there. <laughs> but to me, there's also like, I compare that to the kind of language I heard in locker rooms growing up, or even like when I was an adult, where there was a level of violence to the language, where there was a level of like, oh, if I could take her, if I'm I gonna could. And drive a lot of her, just... drive her into the ground, stuff like that. Yeah, like, whatever yeah. it is, or like the things that. And I think a part of that is just the kind of the, the 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 language that is used around the way men express their sexuality, the way women express their sexuality. And again, I'm speaking very binary terms. It's not black yeah. and white by any means. We don't help at all when we're like, yeah, break me in half, baby. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. Like to me, there's a big difference between break me in half versus uh-huh. I'm going to break you in half. You yeah. Know? And mm-hmm. like, you know, and people can enjoy. Consent. All, consent you know, to break me in half. I'm not saying like, I'm not I'm saying like tops can't be thirsty. Tops can be thirsty too, but it's just it, it's to me there's such that difference of language. I think that so often the male language around thirst there's that there's a threat in it. You know that there's a there's a power dynamic there. Mm-hmm. That again, I mean, like uh, you know, I'm sure that you can dig up tweets of like women saying like really atrocious things to to male stars without. Any concept of consent. Like, I'm not saying that that's not the case. Exactly. And but, I sometimes enjoy having things like that said to me. <laughs> you know? Weird things turn you on. Like, yeah. it is what it is. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. I mean, again, that's why I'm like, you know, tops get to thirst and yeah. that's an okay statement. I've talked a lot here about that kind of language. But for you, again, what's what's the kind of – I think we're kind of having all sorts of ways of talking about the same central idea of, of the power di- dynamic <laughs> of the language. But – I guess maybe I would say it is like to you, are there kind of lines that you're thinking about subconsciously that even like when you're on the cast talking about thirst that even there you're you're still wanting not to cross? So it is it's different for me. Um, I've grown up watching strong comedian women like, uh, you know, Chelsea Handler or Mm -hmm. people like that. And I have done acting and I've done improv. And for me, I have been taught and trained, like, do not hold back. And that's kind of how I've always been. So this this has just always kind of been 
how I've treated things through my whole life. And it was very interesting to kind of bring that in and kind of be this new little force to be reckoned with. (laughs) And um, yeah, like I, I stuck to my guns and I was like, this is not something that we need to really censor because I feel like everything that we do is very PG-13. You know, we don't, we, we're not saying, you know, I, I can, but I don't, um, (laughs) you know, we're speaking, it's all in euphemism. Yeah. So I, for myself can sometimes probably say things a lot more off color than other people. And then just Mm -hmm. breeze right by it because that's just who I am. And if, you know, I'm going to say what comes to my mind. Um, and sometimes people don't like it and that's fine. And we talk about it and we move on, but it's also there now. And I wasn't afraid and I didn't hold back and I wasn't worried or thinking about, I wonder how people are going to think about what I have to say. I'm just saying what I have to say. Right. And I think, again, that's where it's so important. Uh, Another thing Catherine had written in when she said there is representation also matters. We've seen countless instances of men lusting after women. Let's normalize lusting across the the gender and relationship spectrums. And I really like that because I do think that there's often this idea of, okay, there's been two – like. To me, it's, it's again being able to really look at what is important and what matters. And there often there can be the response to the over-sexualization of women in movies, which is 100% a real problem. Mm-hmm. Over-tolerance of men sexualizing women, whether it's in the workplace or on screen or, or whatever it is, it can lead to an idea of, okay, let's just take sex out of it entirely, which is, you know, puritanical and problematic in all the ways, but also as we keep getting to, it totally negates the idea that Lots of people can feel lust other than cis men lusting after cis women. And then also there are ways to express that lust that can be consensual and can be appropriate and still be kind of fun and raunchy. Yeah. Sex has always sold. This prudist, like, we as a country are a lot more prude than other countries. You know, I've been, you know, when you go to Paris and you're walking down the street, you see boobs on the magazines at the little bodegas there. It isn't a thing like we have it here. And the sooner we can just stop acting like sexuality and, you know, lust and it's not, I guess, no, wait, the more we start act, stop acting like sexuality is a problem and more part of, you know, your everyday lives, you know, you have your partners, you have people who you love and you experience these things with them, you know, what's a little eye candy before you do it help, you know, (laughs) I watch Game of Thrones, I watch True Blood. And let me tell you, we had great eight season, you know, it's just what happened. Like, you know, you don't always, you know, people watch porn. Yeah. People don't all have to watch porn. You can get the same kind of turn on from a TV show because it's natural. Like, I, I don't know. It's it's hard to to dance that line between porn and like the Cinemax level of TV and like the things that the shock value that, you know, like HBO will right. go for with their sex. Because sometimes, yeah, I'm like, this does not need to be happening. This scene does not need this. Right. Um, they've gotten a lot more explicit with with um, sorry to say a trigger word, but rape scenes and things mm-hmm. like that on TV as of late. Um, and it's. It, it's content that it, it, it's polarizing and hard to watch, but it is what happens. And sometimes seeing the brutality of that might be the only thing that might show somebody how awful it can be. Yeah. And I, I think that there's definitely, you know, it's kind of like there have been similar conversations about racism in terms of like 
you know, that there there was value for quite some, there is some value in showing brutality because, you know, to help people understand, understand that. But mm-hmm. then also that it can become another kind of porn. It can become exactly. like, certainly, uh, there's a TV show called Warrior that Paul and I love. And we've, we've talked a little bit about, and we're going to definitely be recording more episodes on. And it does something that Game of Thrones does that I found incredibly problematic in both, which is that it showed sexual violence and was very clearly trying to both show you that it's terrible and bad and brutal and it should be awful and also make it titillating, you know, in ways that I think were deeply problematic. And to me, I always think of one of the, the sort of stellar examples of the exact opposite is the movie Birds of Prey, which... You know, they made very conscious choices of their two scenes in particular. Uh, this isn't going to be spoilers for Birds of Prey, but but maybe mild spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, <laughs> skip ahead a minute. Uh, it's a great movie. Definitely go see it. Mm-hmm. But there's a scene in which uh, one of the women characters is about to be beaten up by a number of men. And you know what's going to happen. You know it's going to be terrible. And what you see is that the character kind of disassociates in order to like get through it and not, you know, break down. And so the focus is on her disassociation. Mm-hmm. And then there's another scene where a woman is stripped naked because a man wants to show his power over her. And they convey just how horrible the man is, just how upset and upsetting the situation should be, but also have the camera turn away just before you would actually see the woman be disrobed. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and to me, I think those are... We're kind of getting off into a different topic here, but the, it's like... We, we talk often about male gaze, female gaze, and that's a very complicated topic that I don't want to get into too much here. But I think Marvel especially has done a lot to try and show these things through the female gaze, you know, and try to make it more about it's, you know, bare chested men, you know, half naked men, but but not just the gratuitous shot. It's part of establishing establishing shots or right. showing how uh, a friend of mine pointed out the um, Jessica Plummer, who's been on a, a constant guest on here. She, she, when I was asking her about this topic, she talked about the, the first time we see Thor shirtless in the first Thor movie. And it's so much of that scene is an appreciation for the audience of Chris Hemsworth half naked, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. Though I think his facial hair looks really weird in that movie. Oh, but they bleached it. Oh, it's terrible. That's what the thing is. Okay. And his eyebrows are bleached. Oh. Okay. That's why his face looked weird. But yeah. his, his pecs still look great. But, but that's so much about that shot is not just, hey, pretty person on screen but showing Jane Foster appreciating him and showing mm-hmm. the, the way in which he's appreciating him, not just as a body, but as a person. Um, so, yeah. So to me, all that just kind of ties into the ways in which, like, it's not part of the, fa- the way their fans are talking about it. It's also because the movies, the way they're showing it is changing somewhat and, and that it right. can be different than, like, what HBO is doing. Exactly. Yeah. The gender thing is obviously a huge part of this and the differences in, in, with sexualities and genders and, and all sorts of things like that. Let's segue, though, into the other, I think, important part of this, which is that we're talking to each other as fans about celebrities who are, I mean, I would love it if Chris Hemsworth was listening to our podcast, (laughs) you know, it's very far removed from that. You know, and you you gave that example of the person who was saying that, like, it bothers them because it reminds them of what they did to people in their workplace. And I think such a fundamental difference here is that difference between, you know, how we talk about celebrities to each other Versus how we're talking about, um, you know, people in our own lives. And going back to, again, uh, something Catherine wrote in, she said, getting real specific, me talking about a celebrity, their body, things I would do with them are not reflective of how I would treat that person in real life. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's something I've heard you talk about as well. For you, what? How is that? What's that difference there? That the fact that you're talking about someone who's not in the room and not listening, and that you're not saying it directly to them. How does? Yeah. How does that kind of make this feel better for you? Please, if I met Chris Evans, I probably wouldn't be able to talk, and I would probably curtsy my invisible skirt, like hello, <laughs> sir. <laughs> it, you know, it, it's kind of the same thing. Um, I call it. It's like computer balls when you're behind mm-hmm. your computer, you know, by yourself. You get empowered and you say these things well it's the same like you know it, uh, what's the joke it's uh you know when that person's walk by i stop talking but when they leave i start talking again <laughs> like you're not i'm obviously not going to go be like yo chris hemsworth i love them zabs let me wipe my face all over them i mean it depends on how much i've had to drink let's right. be completely <laughs> honest i'm not going to say that i wouldn't be the person to go up and say those things to them because i'm actually pretty confident about myself and i wouldn't be worried about it i think they know Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but no, the average person, that's not the first thing you're going to say when you meet a celebrity. Right. No. <laughs> and I think, I mean, uh, you know, not drunk shaming. I, I think that, you know, if drunk Ashley did that when I was in her company, I, I might pull her back a little bit. I mean, like, well, let's, let's let the Mr. Chris have his drink. Yeah, and you'd be like, no, I want to talk to little Chris. <laughs> He's calling my name. <laughs> but, but I think the point is like that. Whatever the ethics of, of those choices we're going to make, <laughs> that to me is still so different than what you're doing on, on air, you know, because right. we're talking about it in – it's fantasy, you know? And fantasy. It's, like, I, look I, how much I, fanfic there is out there. Right. Exactly. You know, and I, I think that that's such an important thing of – and I think that's where a lot of people don't understand of drawing the line because, again, it's the – I think there's a real danger of thinking that the stuff that we can say to each other, a, about, a, to me, there's two kind of important points here. One is that it's about we're talking about people. We're not talking to them. We're talking to each other. But also, I mean, to me, I think it would also be like pretty bad if like me and two other coworkers were talking about all the things we wanted to do with a third coworker. You know, like that. that is also right. like, a deeply uncomfortable situation. And it's not, again, that celebrities are like, you know, untouchable like i think you know again it can be problematic but the fact that it's talking about it's talking about fantasy and it's talking about something so far out of the realm of reality that it becomes kind of a safe place to express those thoughts Mm -hmm. perfectly said Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's kind of what we've created a little bit you know people have grown more comfortable with joining in in the conversation and you know saying what's on their mind and that that's all we could ever ask for right you know yeah and i think i think that's a good thing i think you know i talked before about how there can be this kind of well sexuality is used in these bad ways and so let's cut out sexuality entirely and that that's just as problematic and now Mm -hmm. there's sort of a like in different parts of our world you know we're more and more sort of saying okay let's bring sexuality back into here and bring sexuality back into here and, and say like can there be, you know, there's HBO nudity, but there can also be awesome nudity, you know, and, and mm-hmm. some, I mean, some HBO shows have used nudity in great ways. Like, I'm not saying that that's not the case. Um, but I think that that what it also brings up there is that a lot of what, you know, and I hear you talking about, like, I, I, I when I ask you about the kind of lines that you don't cross, you know, I think so much you're right. It is about your confidence. It is about those things. But it does feel like there, there's still lines of appropriateness that I th- I'm, I'm, from all the things I've listened to, I can tell there are lines that you're not crossing. And then yeah. when we have had people in the groups cross them, you know, we under, like, there's an understanding of like, we're starting to play in new waters and it can be difficult for some people, mm-hmm. but it's still important to understand this doesn't mean everything goes again. And that there is still those lines of appropriateness that, that we have to be able to respect 
partially just, you know, the reading the room and, and listening to others, but also just an understanding of like, hey, if we get to a point where it makes people uncomfortable, that's something to pay attention to. Right. And that's the most important thing. Um, when people feel like they're being attacked or, or, or this and that, when somebody, some mostly, if a woman corrects a man on it, then it's they're being attacked instead of, you know, it could be a one, two minute conversation of just, oh, I, you know, I, I'm not trying to write a script for anybody, yeah. but just ex- acknowledging it. You can disagree with it, but being able to acknowledge like I'm I didn't realize that that made you feel this way or uncomfortable and then moving past it. The moving yeah. past it is the biggest part because nobody's trying to police or tell everybody this. But when things become problematic, joking about sexual harassment, joking about anything like that off color. Yeah. Be more receptive to a safe community. You, know, you are in a safe sp- space and we're just trying to. I am just trying to be like, hey, you know, this might be a little problematic and I just want you to know that. Um, right. Be respe- receptive. Yeah. You know, yeah. nobody's – it's not an attack. Yeah. And, and I think I think being able to open to those conversations as well as just open to the idea of that this is much more nuanced than people think. You know, and I, I'm, I'm so glad that you and some of the other people who wrote in are talking about these power dynamics because it's funny. You know the whole saying about like, punching up and punching down mm-hmm. i feel like we can kind of say like there's a difference between thirsting up and thirsting down mm-hmm. uh, you know the same kind of way of like one woman i talked to as i was like preparing to get into this topic and really wanted to hear a lot of different people's perspectives one thing she said is that she as a white woman would be a lot more careful in how she discussed her thirst for a black man's body just because of kind mm-hmm. of the recognizing of the power dynamics about white women and black men and like all the different like just because of the long, complicated, and very problematic history that often go along with kind of the sexualization of black male bodies for white right. women's enjoyment and things like that. Um, and so I think, yeah, that, is that kind of the kind of thing that you're also thinking about sometimes? Not necessarily that example necessarily, but just in terms of like recognizing the power dynamics of the different different kind of thirst you're talking about. Uh, um, sound bad. Personally, I don't. Uh, I probably should, but, you know, I feel like not too long ago to to the crew we were talking about our guys and i said i would want to climb that mountain that is umbaku mm-hmm. and i it's not i i guess that when i'm in thirst mode i'm not exactly thinking about that i don't know how to say this not sound like a dick because that's not something i think about right. no and that's fair and i think that's just a you know, I, I'm just sort of bringing it up as kind of one of their dynamic. I think that can be important. I, I was part. I of think them, talking crowd. about it more publicly, um, possibly, but I also would worry about white women being afraid to publicly say that they're thirsting after black men. Oh, Stop sure. being afraid of that and let that thirst flow. Yeah, and I think to be clear, the person I was talking to, I don't think was saying. Not to say it, but just to kind of have that awareness of that power dynamic in mind, mm-hmm. you know? Um, because I think you're right. I mean, Mbaku's a gorgeous, gorgeous man. Oh, I will definitely my favorite. those statements as well. Um, I, I like a thick daddy figure. Um, oh, yeah. Wow, people are learning a lot about me as well on this podcast. <laughs> it's a learning experience. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 you would think that there'd be that dynamic of people being worried about thirsting over a certain person because they would be worried about somebody being like, uh, or, or judging them for it. Cause I remember I came out the gate real hard about Zemo <laughs> in the beginning. I was like, damn. And he's got a plane. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And at first people were like, I don't see it. But by like two episodes in, a lot more people were on that Zemo train. Yeah, You just got to open up the thirst doors. <laughs> and I think that's another fine. That's another fun way of looking at it because I'm also very much on that Zemo train. I have no idea what his chest looks like. You know, I think that's one thing yeah. kind of a, another fun part of this is that it is the thirst isn't just about bodies. You know, it, it is about like the characters can be for, for Zemo. It's the confidence. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the scheming. It's the idea that like he's always going to be one step ahead of you and, and all the things that that implies. Sexy yeah. brain. Yeah. Attracted exactly. to smart guys. and. <laughs> talented like jack white like ken's like i don't get it i'm like i don't know why because you play guitar and you know that he's a god Mm -hmm. he's like well he's just he's you know he's weird looking i'm like that's part of it look (laughs) at it and then he's got all this talent and i just would melt in front of him um you know these people just have there's there's a reason that these people are stars there's there's an electricity about them you're attracted to them yeah i mean charisma can be a lot more than uh it's funny you talk about Jack White. To me, uh, I think it's kind of hilarious that the the first person I would think of is Jack Black. Jack Black to yeah. me, is like the patron saint of dad bod attractiveness. You know, yeah. he's put out videos. He like I have a little bit of a gut. He he does as well. And when he puts out a video of him in his underwear being sexy, and people are like so all over it, confident. I love that. And mm-hmm. and to me, that's kind of a good segue into the kind of the last thing I wanted to to touch on was. Uh, and, and we've kind of both brought it up a little bit, but just this idea of how in the same way that like when everyone is thirsting like crazy over, you know, the hot woman's body and like what is that saying to everyone else who doesn't have that body and can't ever, you know, you know, I love that when Kumal Nujani posted pictures of himself looking really well built uh, for the Ripped. Eternals, you know, one of the first things he then said is, I didn't get this by hard work. I got this by hard work and a personal trainer and the mm-hmm. financial ability to spend eight hours a day working on my body and a personal chef and all these things. It's and, your job when you're a star. Right. Like, and we can talk about like the problematicness about like, should that be someone's Absolutely. job? Absolutely. Like Judy Garland. <laughs> right. And, and so, yeah, I mean like, yeah, definitely like some men, but certainly many women have had their lives destroyed by, you know, getting addicted to drugs or, um, you know, diet pills or things like that. Mm-hmm. Where for you does that stand? Because we're definitely enjoying the way people look knowing that sometimes what they have to do to look that way isn't the best for them. It's kind of like I find myself when I'm watching figure skating, mm-hmm. when someone is out there doing an amazing triple axel and they trip and I'm like, ah, you trip while I'm sitting there shoving food in my face. Like <laughs> you're doing all that. And sometimes I feel like I don't have to, you know what I mean? Like it, it's a dynamic um, for sure. But you, you can, as long as you know that the realistic you, the work you would have to do right to do that working out two or three times a day personal training making all your food you know unless you're extremely wealthy or an actor that is not happening yeah. um so you can choose to be motivated by it or inspired by it or you can choose to look at it and enjoy it yeah and i, I think that's very true and i think also here this is where the gender dynamic plays in because it is definitely true. Like every now and then, like I would love it if people talked about I, I'm I'm non-binary, but my my body is uh, I'm assigned masculine at birth. I have a you know masculine presenting like look, a beard, a masculine body in that regard. And there, yeah, sure, there are times I look at Chris. Hem- uh, who's a sexy star who's not named Chris? There's got to be one out there. I just can't think of any at the moment. Um, 
Super, uh, Stan Sebastian, you know, yeah. I look at the way people talk about San Sebastian with a shirt off and like, yeah. Sebastian look, Stan, you're so cute. Seb- Seb- oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Sebastian Stan with his shirt off. And I wish that, you know, it'd be great to be talked about like that. Mm-hmm. But I have never for a moment thought that if I don't have a body like that, then I won't be found attractive. The way I know can very much be true in terms of like you look at, again, eating disorder culture and like all that kind right. of stuff of like the constant message that unless you're this size two waist or whatever, that you can't be attractive. And that fact, as well as the fact that like to me, it is so much easier to be a male actor and get all sorts of parts without ever taking your shirt off. I don't love that people can, are hurting themselves to look good. And I would rather they not have to. But I also don't like I don't have any feeling like that you have to do that to be a male actor in Hollywood. Does, does that make sense? Um, I feel like it might be. It does. Mm-hmm. Um, if you talking about 80s movies going back there, um, there was a movie Reanimator. And I, I God, I wish I could remember the actress's name. She's fabulous. But she, she there was a documentary I watched recently where she was uh, one of the females back then who would take her shirt off. Right. And you just had to get used with that being naked and not caring about it because if you didn't do that you were not getting the roles right and that she got all the roles in the 80s horror movies she was in dozens of them because she was willing to strip you know all the way down full monty mm-hmm. how we looking at how men looked in the 90s versus how they look now it's kind of we call it being a marvel shape <laughs> you yeah. know when you get that movie even if you have that crisp pratt you know parks and rec dad bod like you know by the time you're going into this movie you're going to look like that so i don't know if it's as needed um because they're going to turn you into it well i think but i I guess my point more is if you're starring in the action movie you have Mm -hmm. to have that body yeah you have to so you know like even yeah you're gonna get that workout like you don't have a choice it's kind of like how women can't be over a certain weight to be a rockette it's kind of messed up (laughs) Well, but but I, I think my point was that, yes, if you want to be in a Marvel movie, you have to do that. But you can still be an Adam Sandler. You can still be a Jack Black. There are still so many ways in which a male actor can be incredibly famous and popular without ever taking their shirt off or without ever having to even have the suggestion of that kind of body in a way that, like, is changing, but certainly for for women actors has not been the case. You know, that like, if right. you're the woman in Adam Sandler movie, you still have to look damn good. You have to be probably. Kate Beckinsale. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that's, I think that's not, that, that's kind of my point is that I feel like, you know, Scarlett Johansson looks great. Natalie Portman looked great. But I feel like that I hate the fact that they have to look like that to be in any movie where they're a well, romantic character in a way that like, isn't yeah. necessarily true for the male actor. And that's why like, to me, so it can feel more like a choice for someone in a Marvel movie. Well, then I I feel vice versa to you about how you were saying, like, you know, I've never seen that and felt like I needed to look like that to be attractive because as a woman, I constantly feel like that. Exactly. And it's a struggle and I go through it a lot. And for these ladies, you know, you see like a Rebel Wilson or, or Melissa McCarthy and, you know, they started their career being heavier and they have lost, you know, Adele, they've lost amazing amounts of weight. And I'm like, you know, proud of them. But they... Was that them or was that the Hollywood influence? Right. It, it, it's hard to tell. You know, you, you don't know them to, to talk to them about it, but, you, you know, Hollywood's Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the point is I feel like there are particular doors that open for a man if you have the Marvel body, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of doors that you can get into without that you can't necessarily on other points of the gender spectrum and things like exactly. that. Exactly. 
Well, I think that kind of hits a lot of the points that I wanted to bring up. I want to say, um, because this is a topic that so many people in our community have been caring about, we kind of threw open the doors. Catherine had a lot of things to say. Uh, we kind of invited some other people to be on as, as hosts as well. I, I really wanted to hear from you specifically, but I think there were some people who decided not to, uh, which I think is great because I think you've been such a, a great presence on this. <laughs> As well as just you know the fairy godmother of thirst. I, know, I, but, I do feel like I've been rambling a little bit. It's it's hard. It's the it's a hard thing to dance around, and that's just kind of showing how careful we are yeah. being about it here and on the like we uh, we do hear you guys. We are, you know, we are taking the steps to make everybody comfortable and just know we hear you. We're dancing. We hear it. <laughs> well, I think what's important there is that we're dancing. We're hearing. But we're also like you're dancing in completely new territory. Mm-hmm. I have 30 years of history of watching men be terrible at expressing their attractiveness and learning from that and, you know, trying to be better and figuring this out. As you said, this generation of, of women, it's, I mean, it's not completely new. There's always been some of it, but we're mm-hmm. seeing it in completely new ways and, and much more so. And I think part of that is that this is new territory and there's going to be times where like maybe lines get crossed and things like that. And, and that's okay because it's, I, I was really struck by what you said about feeling like you were held back or that so many people feel held back for so long. And this attitude of like, yeah, we're going to push forward and and maybe a line will be crossed and we'll learn and we'll do better. Mm -hmm. But that's so much better as you said to uh, like, you know, as you said, like the, the idea that because a line could be, because this could be hard new territory for, for women expressing thirst, therefore you shouldn't go there at all. I'll take us right across that line. (laughs) (laughs) And then we listen and we learn and we figure it out. And we realize that sometimes people are bothered and that's a reason to slow down. And sometimes people are bothered and it's like, well, that's some of your own stuff you got to deal with. Right. So as I said, like we got a lot of great feedback and comments from people. Uh, Another person who's been very active in the uh, panda world, Melissa Khalil, wrote, I appreciate that you, Ashley, and the panda community have given women a platform to express their attraction to celebrities without feeling judgment. Because historically, women are looked down upon for expressing their thirst for good-looking men, but it's always been accepted for men to openly express their thoughts on physically attractive women. I think this is an important conversation to have because often women are slut-shamed for commenting on men that they're physically attractive and having a platform where women can feel comfortable and not judge for talking about these completely normal human feelings is awesome as a big step towards gender equality. Oh, thanks, Melissa. Yeah. And she's right. Yeah. And I, I, it's funny, we hadn't brought it up, but I think it's one more aspect to this, the idea of slut shaming. Um, I'd be yeah. curious to hear your thoughts on it. Like, I think that there's a sense of it's normal for guys to feel like lust and attraction. But if a woman does, well, women are supposed to be demure and pure and you're supposed mm-hmm. to like caregivers, not the sexy chest. And you're supposed to want to have, you know, you're supposed to dream about the, the nice, nice wedding and not the wedding night. Um, <laughs> and, and so I love that she's bringing up that point about like, it's, it's a way of fighting that slut shaming as well. And that is something that, you know, being a very vocal woman, I've had to deal with a lot because, you know, from thirst to just being up, outspoken yeah. with your thoughts, you know, oh, you're a bitch, you're a slut or this or that. And um, being able to have someone say that to you and not back down and not cower away is is very important because don't let them create a narrative for your, you know, they don't know you and they're not, they don't know anything about you. So stand to your guns, you know. Slut shaming, it's something men created. <laughs> yeah, no, one hundred percent, and it's because you know, and it 
I don't want to talk about Trump, but I do like just go for it. The way that he can say that saying something like grab him by the pussy is a locker room talk. Yeah. Um, saying the things that we say in our thirst doesn't even hold a candle to the, the context of the way he said what he was saying. And that was taken by everyone. Oh, well, he was just, it's just locker room talk. But yet, you know, if I was like, oh, I want to go up and grab his, you know, caca, they'd be like, oh, you know, it's slut shaming. Yeah. I, I think that's so true. And I think that kind of speaks to the, what I was talking before about how often the masculine language around thirst is so much more like violent and possessed, not by any means all. And I, mm-hmm. I love seeing more masculine men. I love seeing more masculine presenting folks finding language to talk about their appreciation and they you know, being turned on by seeing someone without it being that grab them language. But I think Trump's a perfect example of exactly what I'm talking about. And, mm-hmm. and when he said it's just locker room talk, that's outrageous because it's like, it is so horrible. But when he says it's locker room talk, unfortunately, he's right. I mean, I did hear that kind of language in locker rooms all the time when I was growing mm-hmm. up, you know. And, and that is in society just okay for the boys. Right. Yeah. Not anymore, boys. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, I love how it's spoken you are about this. I love, your, I love your perspective. I'm so glad you got to be on this. And so let me kind of just end with there. Like, what, what's the kind of last things you want to leave people with in terms of why this is important, um, why, why this matters, and, and why you're enjoying it? It's, it's, it's more like, you know, be more accepting of things that make you uncomfortable. Um, be more understanding, be more open and willing to receive things that make you uncomfortable and your life will become such a more enriched place because it's, it's fun out there and it's also terrible out there. And these little glimmers in these moments where you just get to shut out the world and, and talk to your girlfriends and your guy friends. Cause the, the fact that men now post pictures of hot guys and hashtag it thirst crew alert yeah. makes me so happy. Cause it just shows like even, you know, the cis man can acknowledge that this guy is attractive and he doesn't feel threatened by it. Does that make sense? Oh, it totally does. And I think okay. you're right because it, it is both coming from queer men in the group, but also from cishet men who are just appreciating. Mm-hmm. And and it's funny. I mean, I hear I, – I say that and I hear a million people saying, are they just appreciating or is there something secret there? I think the both are mm-hmm. true, but I do think it is – I think part of what we're getting to is this idea of being and, – and here's maybe even taking it one step further of like that you can just say – I'm not sexually attracted to that body, but I can acknowledge it's gorgeous and the person there is beautiful and very sexy. And I think that's, you know, mm-hmm. one more step of this. And I have a great example when you're done your point. Sorry. Sure. I, I, there's a, a different point I was going to make. So you go ahead and give your example and then I'll make my last point and then we can wrap up. When I had told Ken that, you know, Ken obviously knew my husband that we were coming on here. We were watching the Friends reunion mm-hmm. and David Beckham popped up and <laughs> he goes, see, right there. That is an example of a good looking man. He's not, you know, not too soft and feminine. You know, he has that look, but it's not too much. He's got that hard look, but it's not too much. That is a very good looking man. And I was like, babe, oh, and we can have those conversations for sure. And that's and it's fantastic. And Yeah, that's great. And I, I will say I love a feminine looking man. I mean, put a, you know, that's. Ken, Ken, Ken has one particular taste. I want to make sure that's not the he only He likes it right in the middle. <laughs> yeah. all, all good there. Um, the other thing I was going to say just as part of that is 
and I, th- I think the work that you all have doing, uh, when you know, cis women talking about their thirst, I think has knocked down a lot of walls. And the fact that now also a lot of queer people are talking about that stuff. If you had told me 10 years ago that I would be producing content for a geek audience and that I would also be able to openly talk about being trans and being queer and about my attraction to male bodies, mm-hmm. I would have laughed you out of the room. I, you know, I spent time in queer spaces and I spent time in comic book spaces when I was in high school. And I know there's a lot of, you know, there is a lot of overlap between those two communities, but there's also an awful, awful a lot of overlap that isn't there, you know. And when I was in high school, those two were very far apart communities. And I think something that's really beautiful that's happening in, like, we often talk about how toxic fandom can be, and it is, and it's terrible and has to be fought. But there's an awful lot of queer fandom being built. There's often a lot of queer-friendly fandom being built. There's a lot of fandom Mm -hmm. being built that is, you know, with women expressing thirst and men being able to talk about the stuff and non-binary people being able to just plant their flag where they need to and all of this. Like, it's – to me, it is something – you know, it's funny because I know we're – it's kind of like how we're talking about, like, how Doritos can change the world. You know, a lot of the thirst (laughs) I know you talk about, it's fun. It's it's girl talk. It's all of us just kind of chatting, you know, sending pictures back and forth, and it's fun. But I – you know, I, I think it really is making good changes that are that are super important. And I'm for myself, I feel like you being really the leader on this and then other women joining in and then other uh, queer people like myself being able to join in. It made that community. It made fandom a lot safer for me. And so for that alone, I, I'm I'm grateful. It's amazing. It's overwhelming. Oh, good. <laughs> you know, it's good. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, now that I've gotten you all verklempt, why don't you talk to us more about uh, where people can find uh, your other places where you talk about thirst and, and other topics uh, online. Always join us on this, the Australian Panda Facebook chat and post whatever you want. Uh, if you summon the thirst fairy godmother, she will appear. So you can at me anything you want to talk about. Um, trivia, as always, Wednesdays on Twitch, Strain Panda TV slash twitch or whatever <laughs> and uh we do your feedbacks on monday and loki's starting up real soon so we're going to be doing live casts of loki on wednesday evenings i believe live watch and then an instant feedback and that will bleed right into twitch uh check back on our newsletter and pages for times all that's on the mcu podcast and everything we're talking about is on the stranded panda podcast network and there, if you go to strandedpanda.com, you can find all the information about that podcast, as well as other podcasts on Star Wars, which I run, podcasts on Star Trek, podcasts on Animation Deliberation, which my Star Wars podcast, I'm doing a great partnership with them on uh, The Bad Batch. There's all sorts of great podcasts <laughs> there. Check that out. You can find Ashley's contact information there. And if you want to give feedback for this episode specifically, as I said, we got into a lot of difficult co- topics. Um, there might be a lot of things that people are like, eh, I don't love the way you said that from any direction. We may agree. Which is fair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm, I've been speaking pretty, you know, I made a comment earlier about how, you know, that, that we want to be careful that like not everyone has desires and that, it, you know, people on a spectrum or just any other perspective may not feel this kind of thirst and that's completely okay. I, I also may recognize we then did a whole episode on thirst and maybe, you know, some folks from that direction were not happy with it or whatever it is let us know what you think we'd love to hear that feedback we'd love to talk about it more uh you can find my contact information on the ethicalpanda.com or just by searching for ethical panda on facebook or twitter uh you can also email me at the ethical panda at gmail.com 
I'll also say we've gotten some great feedback on a couple of other issues, including a, a really good point about something I missed that we were talking about Invincible uh, that I'm going to get to at a later episode. This, I want to kind of let this one just be itself. But uh, please give us feedback on this. Any other questions you've got? I also got some great feedback recently on another topic. We may even just do a full feedback episode because so much of them is coming in. So <laughs> thank you all so much for being listeners. Ashley, thank you so much for being a part of this great conversation. And have a great Thanks day. Thanks for having me. What a good idea. Thank you. Take care. Bye.